Happy Mother's Day to every mom here and uh, to tremendous thing that you've done and you raising children, investing your time. So thank you so, so much for what you have been able to do. Uh, we are currently in a series uh, called Hey Google. And Google releases some of their top searches every year. And it's incredible how many of these searches are spiritual. Uh, so this is our week three. First week we talked about what our purpose is. Uh, so last week we talked about how to stay resilient and not give up. Today... We're looking at the question of worry. And of course, we're not asking Google for the answers. We're going into the Bible, and we are a Jesus community that's informed by what Jesus has said. And so today, uh, I'm going to be reading from Matthew 6, verse 25 through 33. And uh, we're asking the questions, how do we stop worrying, worrying? Therefore... I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, this is Jesus speaking, what you, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not of more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this incredible opportunity to hear your word. Jesus, you are the great shepherd. You are the chief shepherd. You are the good shepherd. Feed us today with your word. May we grow in likeness to you. May we grow in conviction and in our faith. Lord, I'm also praying for Ukraine and things, there go that, things that are going on over there and that you would bless, you would protect that you would bring your peace to that land. And I pray for every pastor, every church, opening the word and sharing today. God, anoint this with your power. Clothe it with your power, God. We need you desperately. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, I read an article from the Time magazine, and it says something like this. Almost 40% of Americans are more anxious than they were at this time last year, according to a new American Psychiatric Association, APA, poll. The APA surveyed 1,000 U.S. adults about their sources and levels of anxiety and found that 39% reported being more anxious than they were at this time last year. Another 39%, they said, they were equally anxious, 
while only 19% said they were less anxious than last year. We have a, a time, and we're living in a time where there's a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety around. This was written in 2018. Since then, things have gotten much better, haven't they? Uh, we had COVID. Today, we are on a brink of possibly, well, I wouldn't say a brink, but that's really going far, but a nuclear war, like threats are being made. Uh, and that's just the two th things that I just came out of my mind, but there's so many things that have got, happened since 2018, and we as a country are more anxious and more worried than ever. This article will talk about that the three main sources of anxiety or worry is health, safety, and finances. So I read that. I thought, boy, that, that's not good. That's not good. And then I realized what this article didn't mention, which is the real deal in this article. And that is, if you add the math, 39% are more anxious than they were last year. Another 39% are equally anxious. And 19% are less anxious, but still anxious. And if you add 39 plus 39 plus 19, you get 97. If this room has 100 people, three, three of us are filled with peace. Three of us have no worries. Come on, we can do a better job than that. We have to do a better job than that. Church, our weapon is not of the flesh, it is of the spirit. Our power is not our flesh, my strategies and my, my techniques, but our power is the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. We can bring that number down. We got to bring that number down. We can challenge the worries in our lives. We can face anxiety head on and see success in our life. We can be set free. I I'm with you. We're in this together. It's everywhere. It's so easy to start getting anxious and yet, we can walk worry-less. I want our church to bring that number down. I want us to be known for our peace and calm and steadiness. Now, real quick, before I dive into the text, real quick, um, worry and anxiety, I'm going to be using those two terms interchangeably like the same thing, but I do recognize they're not quite the same thing. Like worry is more like a mind thing and anxiety affects our bodies. Worry can be specific, like you're worried about your finances. Anxiety can be more general unease and unsettledness. There's also something called anxiety disorder where out of nowhere, panic hits you. Out of nowhere, your heart beats fast. Out of nowhere, you start having shortness of breath. And we want to pray for that as well. But today, I'm talking about more of the general kind of anxiety, more of the generic type that is interchangeable with worry. So let's talk about what Jesus says. Now, if we zoom back out from this whole text, we see the main idea, the main truth that Jesus is communicating. And he's telling us, number one, is do not be worried. But he doesn't just say that. Um, he's talking about the kingdom. Like, have you wondered, like, what is going on? Jesus is talking about worry. He's talking about the kingdom. Worry and the kingdom. Ha, what, what, what is going on? Um, we see that Jesus is taking us beyond just having peace in our life. Let me explain. You know, 
culture and the Bible often are opposites. What culture says is opposite of what the Bible says. For example, sometimes culture gets it wrong and the Bible gets it right, always. Culture um, says that a little bit of gossip isn't bad for you. That's a, it's actually totally normal. That's the way you bond. Scripture says there should be no slander and speak only what is building others up. Culture says, and gets it wrong, and says that your life, you need more of you. You got to do you, got to love you, got to spend time with you, date you. You just got to have more of you. You're the most important person in the universe. That's what culture tells us in its messaging. But scripture says that others are more important than us that we are to esteem others above ourselves. There are times when culture gets it wrong and scripture always gets it right, but there are times when culture gets it right. But scripture calls us to more. Culture or society, in every society we see that murder is wrong. Jesus says yes, but if you have hate in your heart, you are guilty of murder. Uh, Still to this day, adultery is wrong, but Jesus says if, if you lust in your heart, you are guilty of adultery. Here's where culture is, is at number one. We need to get freed from worry. We just need peace. Worry sucks. Worry ruins our life. Worry robs us of our life. That's what it does. Worry stinks. Worry is gross. We need to get worry out of us, anxiety out of us so we can have peace. But that's where culture is. Here's what Jesus is saying. We need to have, or here I want to give you a heart that is set free from worry so that you can have a heart that is free for the kingdom. A heart that is free from worry is a heart that is free for the kingdom. That's what he's saying here. Why are you anxious? You see, when we worry, have you noticed that worry is an occupying force in your mind? When you live with worry, it's the only thing you think about. If you ever felt like you forgot to turn off the oven and you went to have a great time, but your time was not great, because the whole time you were thinking about my oven, my oven, my oven. Did I turn it off? Did I turn? Oh, what if my house is burning down right now? Uh, worry occupies our mind. Worry gives us priorities for which we live. Worry, worry, worry uh, shapes what we do. Worry takes off what we think is the most important. It becomes the main thing. And Jesus in his um, incredible teaching on the mountain is saying, look, I got you. I'm going to set you free. You don't have to worry so that you can now focus with your mind and your actions on the kingdom. You can be about the kingdom. You can live for God. You can serve Jesus. God sets us free from worry to set us free for the kingdom. Amen? Jesus says in verse 25, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Life is more than about food and clothing. So what is it about? Well, he ends with seeking first the kingdom. You see, worry has us living for less than what we were made for. 
You see, worry doesn't just cost us peace. Worry costs us our purpose. Because it steals our focus. It dominates our mind. It gets us to shut down. It gets us to become more stingy. So Jesus teaches us, and let's go talk about number one. He sets our heart free from worry. Now, how does Jesus do this? Number one, I'm going to give you four things, four quick points, how Jesus comes to take away our worry. Number one, Jesus is the one who says, do not be anxious. God says it. Now, that's super important. (laughs) That's super important. Now, I don't know about you, but I am prone to dismiss something that's obvious, something that's basic, something that I already know. I'm like, come on, I already know this. I find it, and we are prone to dismiss and find super unhelpful things like, don't be worried. Hey, does that help anyone? Don't be worried. Don't be scared. Hey, don't give up. Hey, don't be afraid. Hey, don't be anxious. Does that help anyone? We are prone to dismiss Something that obvious, unless the person saying it knows what they're talking about. Unless the person who says it knows what they're talking about. If I have a skin rash, uh, some weird skin rash on my, my hand, and I show it to my friend or someone sees it, and they're like, hey, don't worry about it. Like, thank you so much, but I'm going to check in with the doctor. Now, the doctor takes a look at my skin rash and says, I have 50 years of experience. I've seen it all. Listen, do not worry. I will not worry. Albina, right now, is almost due. And we laugh about this, but in the moment, it's a little more tense. And, and she'll tell me some pain of hers, you know. She, she, she's you know, like, her hip is hurting. And I'll say, honey, listen, I know what that's like. Listen, given my extensive experience, nothing to worry about. Now, she'll say, babe, thank you, but I want to check in with my doctor. Now, the doctor says it. She believes it. If you're on an airplane and the airplane's making some weird sound, some weird sound, you're sitting in the back, you know, and a passenger leans over and says, nothing to worry about. You're like, <laughs> thank you. Now, and the pilot gets on the intercom and says, folks, that sound you're hearing, totally normal for the aircraft. You say, well, that helps. I can enjoy my tomato juice, my ginger ale, two drinks unproven to help with nausea. But I'm going to do this, you know. Here's, here's, here's what I want you to hear, church. Do you know who says do not be anxious? Jesus The one who made the universe, the one who right this very moment holds it in his hand, the one who God raised from the dead in power, Jesus is the one who says, do not be anxious. He signs the check. He's the one who says it. He's the one who says it. Can you imagine if right this very moment you were able to lay your heart out for Jesus and say, Jesus, here's what I'm going through. Here are all of my what ifs. Here are all of my worst case scenarios that I'm worried about. Here are all of my woes, as woe is me's. And then Jesus says to you, and this is in real life, don't be worried. I guarantee you, you would not be worried. But that's exactly what happens when we pray. You see, when we pray, we're communicating to God. And when we read his word, he's communicating with us. 
Bible plus prayer equals a conversation. And when we lay out to God our worries, all the things we're afraid of, God speaks into our life, do not be anxious. He knows what he is talking about. So, yeah, maybe when your friend says do not worry, we dismiss it. But do not dismiss this because of the God who says it. Number two, Jesus talks about that he's a provider. He's a provider. He commands us to look at the flowers and the birds. <laughs> I love Jesus. By the way, this is a great opportunity to do a little bit of theology. Uh, creation, nature, is a kind of sacrament. A sacrament means it points to something other than itself. It's actually preaching to us. If you think about the bread and the cup that we drink for communion, it's not about the bread and the cup. It's really pointing to Jesus' body and the blood. Creation is like that. You see, the stars, what do they do? They glorify God. They speak of his majesty. The rainbow that you see after raining is God saying, I am the God of the promise. It's pointing us to somewhere. Honey is so delicious and sweet, but it's pointing us to the God who really satisfies our heart. And Jesus points us to birds and to flowers. And he says, check this out. And he wants us to examine carefully. And he says, I take care of them. You are more valuable than they. I provide for them. You are more valuable than they. Right now, it's May. And if you open your window in the morning, you'll hear birds. That's God preaching to you. Some of us don't even notice those birds, and some of us are annoyed with those birds. But every bird you see that's flying is telling you, I'm well taken care of, but you're more valuable. I'm taken care of by God, but you're more valuable. God provides. The third thing God says, Jesus says, is he goes to verse um, 27, and he says, why are you... Um, and which of you being anxious can add a single hour to the span of life? The third point is that God is in control. Uh, worry does nothing for us. Come on. It is utterly useless. It doesn't help us. Someone once said that we will always suffer more than we have to if we suffer before we have to. We will worry way more than we have to if we worry before we have to. Worry is just useless. It doesn't help us. But notice who can add to our life. Notice who does number our years. Notice who does set the span of our life, God. And Jesus is calling us to believe that God is in control. He truly is in control. And the last one is in verse 32. Jesus points to God and says, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. God knows, or God's in control. God cares. Now, that knowledge is not just that God really recognizes and knows everything omnisciently, but that God cares. Like, that's what the know over there means. God cares. God sees, knows what you need. God cares. Isn't it remarkable? To know that God cares for us. Have you ever realized in a relationship how if one cares, the other rests? Is that true? So 
in our relationship, in my marital relationship, Albina doesn't care about the lawn at all. She's never thought about my grass, never even once. But that's because I care about the grass. So she rests. Now, Albina cares about paying all the bills on time. I thought we have been living for free all these years. So she cares, I rest. Albina cares all about all the packing for vacations, hospital, and I rest. Because that's what happens. Now, if Albina wasn't caring about those things, I would be caring about those. Or if I wasn't caring about those things, Albina would be caring. Here's what you get in God. He cares more than you. So you can rest. You can breathe. Oh, I know, parents, you want to see your children know Jesus. That's our greatest, greatest, greatest goal. That's what we want to do. We want our kids to grow up in Christ. And we care so much sometimes that we, care, we, that we think we care more. But God cares for that exact thing even more. You can relax. You could breathe. You could have a heart at ease. To know that God cares is to be able to rest. And Jesus is trying to tell the people, hey, I care. I care. God knows what you need. God cares for what you need. So you can be at rest. Now, four things. God says it. God provides, God's in control, God cares, God knows. Now, here's what I know what you're thinking, Eugene. I know this. I know this stuff, and it doesn't help me. I know that God says it. I know that God's in control. I know that God provides. I know that God cares. But the question is not, do you know that God loves you? Do you know that God says it? Do you know that God provides? Do you know that God's in control? Do you know that God cares? The question is, do you trust that God is in control? Do you trust that God knows? Do you trust that God provides? You see, Jesus makes this mention. It says, you of little faith. When we read the word faith, we think of it's something you know. It's knowledge. But rarely is it that. It's trust. Oh, you of little knowledge? No, no, no. You of little trust. Some of us have been seeking to defeat worry with knowledge. And we say it's not working. When the way you defeat worry is trusting God. Now, the way you trust God is in a relationship. Have you noticed how it's easier to trust someone you know? We don't trust strangers. We don't trust at a distance. If I don't have a relationship with God or not much for a relationship with God, I will not trust him. But all of us here probably can recall one or two moments or maybe many where we were worried, and then not that we knew that God is in control, but that we trusted that God is in control and had our worry disappear. Not that we knew that God cares, but that we actually trusted in a relationship where we're drawing near to God, and we, that, which allows for trust, trusting God, 
and we had our worry disappear. Oh, you of little faith. It's not about knowing this. It's about developing an intimate and close relationship with God where we grow in our trust. Everybody knows this, but few learn to trust God with it. Now, let me stop right here for a moment. And we've been talking about how God takes care of our needs. It's true. Uh, But I want to take a moment and talk to you also about not all needs are true needs. Sometimes we have something called false need. A false need is a need that I feel, but I don't really need it. For example, a false need is a need when I say I need everyone to like me. A false need is a need where I say I need to be in control of everything. A false need is I need to know what to do in every situation. And the moment things are not happening like we need them to, we're getting anxious, we're getting worried. For example, if I need to, be, need to know what to do in every situation, and I'm in a situation that's tough, that's complex, that has nuances, I'm overwhelmed, I'm worried, because I need to know what to do. Maybe things are not working out well, and you're not having everybody like you. Somebody said something critical, somebody said something mean, and all of a sudden, you're all sorts of anxious and worried. Now, false needs, like they're not real needs, but we feel them, and when they're not being met, we are getting worried. They stem from idols. And God is not in the business of blessing our idols. The way we overcome worry that stems from false needs is with repentance and the gospel. In other words, I want to be loved by everyone. I'm a chronic people pleaser. But I, when that's creating its uh, worries in my heart, I come to God and I say, God, forgive me. I don't need to be loved by everyone. What matters is that in you, Jesus, I am fully accepted in your sight, and I am accepted in you. Maybe your idol is control, and what you want is for God to make things go your way every single time and bring everything up in order and the way you just want it. Sometimes you just got to let it go. Say, God, I don't need everything to be my way. I need to trust you who is in control and gloriously and beautifully so. See, some worries, they come from real needs. And for those, we call on and we trust in God's promises. But for other worries that stem from false needs, from idols of our culture, we attack them with repentance and the gospel. And we believe that God forgives us. Um, So whatever your worry is, Jesus sets us free from worry. But then he sets us free for a reason. So that now our focus, direction, the care of our life can focus on the kingdom. And he says this, but seek first the kingdom of God. 
but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is what the point is. This is the purpose of our peace. This is why God sets us free. Not just so we can feel good. That's important. God does that. But he sets us free that we may seek first the kingdom. That's what life is about. That's what life is about. So how do we seek first the kingdom of God? Well, let's talk about what kingdom means. What does kingdom of God mean? Um, Or how do we seek it? Now, the kingdom of God has three big components. Number one, there's a king. Then there's his rule. And number three, there's a place where he rules. There's a realm. Ruler, rule, realm, person, power, place. Just thinking here on the spot. But king, his reign, and his place. There's going to be a day in our, to come when God is going to, his kingdom it will, be, will be here. His kingdom will be fully, fully like developed or will have fully arrived. And there the king will rule Jesus. We will be in his kingdom rejoicing forever. Uh, there will be no war, no toil, no, no nothing. But today we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. To seek the kingdom in my life means that in every area of my life, I seek to have Jesus be the king and him rule. In other questions, it means that I live with questions like, how would, would my finances look if Jesus ruled here? <laughs> that's, what, that's what seeking the kingdom is. Do my finances have a king that's Jesus? Is he in charge? When he's in charge, the kingdom of God has come to my finances. (laughs) If when Jesus rules our finances, there's generosity, there's contentedness. How would my marriage look if Jesus was the king? How would my marriage look if Jesus was reigning in my marriage? I'll tell you. The husband would spiritually lead the family. The wife would lovingly follow. The marriage would be a sermon to the world about how Jesus loves the church. How would uh, our connect group look like if Jesus was truly the king? How would this church look like if Jesus was reigning here? I'll tell you what, there will be one anothering, there will be encouragement, there will be prayer for one another, there will be God's word here, there will be testimonies, there will be conversion, there will be work for the kingdom. That's what would happen. To seek the kingdom means God sets me free so I can be about bringing the reign of the king to every area of my life. Amen? God, God, bring your will. Bring your righteousness. Notice how it says his righteousness. I love that. His righteousness. My righteousness falls way short of God's righteousness. See, my righteousness, I allow for excuses. My righteousness allows for shortcuts. My righteousness allows for treating people differently depending on who they are. No. It's doing things according to his righteousness in every area of our life. Um, Practically speaking, this means we have to get rid of the list. You know that list, that famous, famous list? And it goes like this. God is first, if we can go to the next slide, then family, then church, then city, then work education, exercise, responsibilities, hobbies. Now listen, 
I don't know if this is the correct list, okay? I don't want you to be like, I put exercise at number two. Um, that's good. I, I'm not making a case for where priorities go. Just maybe, I guess this would be mine. I do have to pick up on exercise, though. And uh, we love this list because it makes sense. And then it doesn't make sense. Uh, because God is first. So let's just say God gets a big piece of the pie, 50%. God, you have your 50%. I go to church, that's yours. I read the Bible, that's yours. I pray, that's yours. I volunteer once a month, that's yours. Everything else, it's me. Family's about me. I rule my family. Church is about me. Work is about me. Finance is about me. Relationships are about me. Um, this is a good list, but then it's not the best way to encapsulate everything. Because remember on Easter, we talked about how Jesus is Lord of all. So God doesn't just get 50% or even 80% or even 90%. God gets our whole life. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to remove God from that list. And we're going to switch family to this side. And instead of saying, I'm going to seek God first, then everything else, here's what Christians do. We seek God first in everything. I'm going to seek God first in my family. I'm going to seek God first in my workplace. I'm going to seek God first in my connect group. I'm going to seek God first in my church. I'm going to seek God everywhere I go. It's seeking God first in everything. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord of all. So in each of those, I'm going to seek God first. God, how would my family look like if you were the king of it? And I'm going to seek to make that happen. God, how would my work look like if you were reigning here? God, you are reigning here. God, I am coming under you. God, make it so. Seeking his kingdom and his righteousness in every area of our lives. I see, that's what worry is all about. Worry impedes this. Worry gets us living for the wrong thing. Worry distracts us. Worry is bad in and of itself. Worry fills our life and overgrows in our hearts. And we become timid. We become cowardly, maybe. We become overburdened. But God sets us free through trusting him, through repentance, that we may live unleashing our hearts for his kingdom. That's our focus. That's our focus. That means we'll have a new set of questions to live by. And I wanted to go over these questions. I wrote them for myself because this is just for me. Um, this is usually a question of worry. Will I be okay? That's a question of worry. That's where I could live. Or I can live for the kingdom and instead be asking the question is, will my life magnify Christ? I love telescopes or binoculars even. But when you... Look at the telescope. It makes something come bigger, become bigger. And sometimes you can take that telescope and flip it, and it makes something look really small. Our lives 
are meant to make Jesus look great. Our lives are meant to make Jesus come onto the minds of his people. Our, mind, our lives are meant to make Jesus appear glorious and be obvious that he's in our lives and working. And I can live my life living with the question of will I be okay, will I be okay? Or I can live my question asking will my life magnify Christ? I can live my life asking the question will my children be okay? Or I can live my life asking the question will me and my house serve the Lord? I can ask the question Will I have enough money? Or I can live my life asking the question, will I honor Christ with my finances? Will I ever get married? Will I use my singleness to further his kingdom? Will I ever get that promotion? Will I be light and salt of the earth? Will my business be okay? Will my business practices be soaked with his righteousness? Will our church ever get a building? Let me stop here. Because as a pastor, I can get so distracted. You know, it's so easy as a church to become part of so many different things. So easy for a church to be distracted with branding. I'm guilty. Online promotion, online presence how we look. We could be worried about that. Or we, instead of asking, will we ever get a building because we don't know about our time here and how long we can last here, or we can live with the question, will our church raise disciples and proclaim Jesus to the city? That's where I want to be. I want to be here. And by God's grace and in all his miraculous ways of working, he, he keeps me steady. I get distracted. I get worried about all the things I don't need to be worried about. And God brings me back to this is important. Our church exists to see people saved and save people grow. That's all. Everything we want to do, connect groups, discipleship groups, mercy nights. Uh, I don't know about children singing here, but oh, yeah, pretty much. Everything we do is to raise people up, raise people up. And then as disciples... We impact our city for Christ's sake. See, here's the thing. Where are you living today? Has your heart overgrown with worry? And you're stuck here. You're stuck here. And you're always thinking, well, am I going to have enough? Am I going to be okay? But today, maybe, 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 you can entrust yourself to him. And I have a heart that's free from worry so you can make a step and have a heart that's free for the kingdom. That's where God wants us. That's where God is calling us. That's what Jesus is about. He sets us free from worry that we may be free for the kingdom. Because life is more than our worries. Life is more than what our worries can give. It's more than food, more than clothing. And it's absolutely more than all of our false idols that we have to repent from. But life is not more than having Jesus be our king. Living in his presence. Living with his reign. Oh, it's so beautiful. So I want to pray with you right now. I want to be praying with you. We're not going to have a time of um, a song. But we'll have over there a prayer corner. If you ever want to go there and be prayed for. Uh, it also goes a couple minutes, 15, 20 minutes after service. 
you're invited to be prayed over there. But hey, if you're here today and you're anxious, if you're here today and worries have crept in and have been keeping you away, and your life and heart is overgrown with worry, today I want to pray with you. I want to pray with my own heart today that we would seek out trusting him. And as he fills our heart with peace, as he fills our heart with contentedness, as he fills our heart with his love, we have a heart that can now be about his kingdom. So I want to pray with you, and then there's one more group of people I would love to pray with, and that's if you have never put your trust in Jesus, but today is your day. You're sitting here, and your heart is leaping and drawing towards Jesus, and you don't know even why. God is calling you to himself. God is calling you to place your faith in Jesus. So with every head bowed, no one's looking. I won't call you up to the front, but I want to pray with you right now as a sign for yourself, as a sign for heaven, for me, that this is you. If you're either struggling with worry and you need help to trust God, or you're someone who has never put their faith in Jesus, if that's you, would you raise your hand right now and I'll pray with you. Amen. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see hands all over. I see hands all over this place. Jesus, Thank you that you are our provider. Jesus, thank you that you care for us. Jesus, thank you that you are in control. And yet, God, we struggle to trust you. We get overwhelmed. But today, would you help us trust you? Would you help us put our trust in you? And God, there's a greater work, there's a greater purpose to our peace than just for us to be happy, although that's a great thing, but it's so that we can unleash our hearts for your kingdom. So I pray for strength to focus on the kingdom, strength to focus on your rule. And Lord, I'm also praying for anyone here today who hasn't put their faith in Jesus yet, but today they're doing so. God, what a marvelous moment. Holy Spirit, we thank you. God, we repent from our sins and we believe in you to die for our sins and give us life. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you so much. Would you stand on your feet with me? Uh, happy Mother's Day. Um, before we close, before we wrap up, I wanted to read a verse together. And this whole month, I want us to read this verse together to end the church service. And it's in Jude chapter one, because Jude has only one chapter, <laughs> verse 24 and 25, and you can read with me. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Our church service is over. Being the church continues. Don't run off. Uh, for every mom, we have a special gift for you. You'll love it at the door. Grab it. Uh, we'll see you midweek in connect groups. I love you guys so, so much. God bless you.